Golay presents Recorded History with the RecordHub.com. 100% Irish and direct to your door. What is up, Recorded Historians, and welcome to Recorded History with the RecordHub.com. My name is Ed Smith, and this is our weekly rock and roll ramble through the lives and times of well-known and loved guests, all by way of three records that soundtrack their very existence. This week, I'm joined by Irish pop sensation Amy, who sashayed, it's fair to say, into the studio absolutely resplendent in black and armed with some very serious love and knowledge for some very serious pop records. She's absolutely brilliant company, is Amy. And you're about to get a very interesting insight into the commitment, drive, passion it takes to take on the music world. I absolutely loved this conversation with her, and I've no doubt you'll love hearing it just as much. So here we go, the poptastic recorded history of Amy. Amy, thank you so much for taking the time out of your very busy schedule of being a absolute pop diva. <laughs> yes. Although you're not, can I just say, this is not a visual situation because it's a podcast. You are dressed more like an emo. More like a goth diva today. What's going on? It's roasting out there. Are you? I just dress for my emotions. Oh, what can I say? We're in a black mood. We're in a black mood today. <laughs> no, it's Ireland. You look at the window one minute and it's bloody cloudy and stuff. And then it's like sun sunny skies so yeah. it's hard to read I brought out the milk bottles as you can probably see but they're hidden under the desk so yeah, you don't the have Doc to Doc Martens were a mistake uh, now I took it too far around yeah. Doc's but well, it's okay. you know it's nice and cool in here yeah uh, equally as cool as your musical choices that was a nice segue that was a good uh, yeah, yeah that's that was very good smooth uh, for your recorded history it got sent them during the week I hadn't heard in all honesty full disclosure two of them which yeah, ones? we won't say which ones, but that'll all become revealed. So I've been listening to a lot of them okay. over the last couple of days, as I have been your brand new single. Ooh. See there. And it just yeah. was absolutely perfect for the weather. Walking in, had it on repeat. Yeah. And it has caused me, it has put me in such a good form. Oh, good. That I've cancelled my boring plans for later and I may go out. And Margaritas? Well, I wouldn't go so far as to say margaritas. <laughs> Aperol spritz. I, I may have <laughs> Heineken Zero or something along those lines, but I'm going to go out and sit in a beer garden oh, because of yeah. you. So th- thank you for that. Oh my God. That's I all love down that. to the new single. I wanted to wait and put it out in the summertime because I felt Perfect it felt timing. like summer. Yeah. It so absolutely that's good. is summer in a song. Mm. So that is, thank I'm, you. I have to pass on my thanks for that. Was it tough for you to whittle it down to your three records? It was almost impossible. Yeah. Yeah. And they kept saying, we need to have your choices over. I'm like, I, it's like asking your favorite child, literally. But for me, actually listening to Niall, uh, Niall Horan's episode, I was like, that's exactly my problem. I'd have a favorite album, but it would be kind of like, oh, but I love these songs off this album. And it was very hard to whittle it down. Yeah, he explained that one. very well, didn't he? That yeah. He just like, when I was asking him about Bruce, I think it was, mm, I was surprised yeah. that it wasn't the Bruce Springsteen album. Yeah. There he goes, yeah, but. I like this. Favourites uh, and this. Yeah, and... the best of Bruce would be mm-hmm. his favourite Bruce Springsteen yeah, album. Yeah, yeah. Which ones didn't make it? Which ones were close? You can be honest. Um, well, I found it hard deciding what albums kind of shaped me into who I am because yeah. I grew up really only listening to like Celine Dion, Whitney Houston, Tony oh, Braxton. Yeah. Wow. But I was kind of like, do I make them decisions? Because technically that was my mom's albums right. and I just grew up obviously listening to them because they were her choices. So I whittled it down to what were... Amy's like Good. my own kind of like these are what you know no one played Christina Aguilera's album for me but I came across and I was like oh this is everything I've been looking Fantastic. for you know okay look that's so that the... was hard so Amy let's get into it your recorded history it's the year 2002 what is 
Your first choice. My first choice is the very first album I ever bought myself out of my own pocket money. <laughs> and it was Christina Aguilera Stripped. Wow. Yeah. Do why, you know, why is this here then? Because I'm still, to this day, when I listen to it, I still get goosebumps. And there's just so much in that album. She's got like the R&B song. She's got like the soul. She's got the jazz songs. She's got like the smack it across the face pop songs. And to me, listening to the likes of like The Voice Within and Beautiful, honest to God, like even as a teenager, when I was writing songs, I would still go back to them songs and go, yeah, but how did she really explain that emotion? How did she really get that across? And... I just feel even like the story behind the recording of Beautiful, if anybody hasn't heard it, you should listen to it because the start of the song, you know, the way she starts and she says like, don't look at me. And it's like a whisper. Yeah. That was a one take. That was the wow. warm up recording. And to me, that is something that I still always go back to because especially with pop music, it tends to be very polished. And I really try my best to keep the rawness the emotion across because if you're singing a song 50 times in the studio you know every time you do it you're kind of losing the emotion every single time so I tend to even when we're doing a warm-up if we're testing mics I tend to keep that take somewhere in my track always yeah always even if there's songs that I'm doing in Sweden like my last uh single Hurt Like Hell we recorded that in Sweden but when we were recording it it was kind of like oh just put it down and we can record it back in Dublin but as soon as I got home I was like no no that has to be the recording because that's how I felt in the moment, you know? That's so and, interesting, yeah. But that is that is something that I genuinely learned from hearing that experience with her in the studio for Beautiful. She had a boyfriend with her at the time in the studio. Christina Aguilera was somebody that was like the hottest pop star in the world at the yeah. time. It's her and, fourth album, isn't it? Yeah, and she felt so like insecure that she actually asked her boyfriend to turn around. She was like, don't, don't, don't watch me. And to me, I'm just like, oh my God, as a child, I watched her going, you are everything I ever could imagine being. And there she was in like the prime of her career in the studio and she was still feeling insecure that she asked her boyfriend at the time to turn around and not look at her. Because she was so vulnerable at that moment. Yeah, she was just so like... Recording that song. Like, don't watch me. Like, it's probably not going to be perfect. Like, it's my first, you know, first recording. And I don't know, I just I just still to this day, wow. it gives me shivers when I think about it. I just think it's so inspiring. It's such an interesting record for her at that juncture in her career. And we're going to get into something very similar with your, with your next choice as well. A lot of similarities and comparisons that... For the first couple of albums, of her, she was very much pitched as this cookie cut, very clean cut yeah. pop starlet. Mm. And they, her manager at the time wanted to keep her on that path. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Genie in the Bottle and all that. It was all quite wholesome. Yeah. But she very much felt, this does not represent who I am now mm. as an artist and as a woman in the real world. Yeah. And she came to them, she got rid of her manager, took on somebody else who said, okay, let's go for it. And she really does on this album. It's very revealing. It's a very honest, raw album, as you say. Mm-hmm. And it's very much, um, I suppose, in tune to who she felt she was and who she wanted people to know that there's a new Christina. It's Xtina now. That was the birth of mm-hmm. Xtina. So yeah. that was almost her alter ego that, that you know, the I suppose the cutesy image we had with her on the beach with Jeannie in the bottle, it was all quite, you know, mm-hmm. quite sweet. That woman was gone. There's a new Christina Aguilera in town and you can hear it in every single track on this. I love the intro to the album. Yeah where it's only about like one minute 50 mm-hmm. and you hear the little bits of footage of the news reports about Britney versus yeah. Christine. Yeah. You know, and the, all the little kind of whispers that she'd obviously been hearing mm-hmm. for so long yeah. from record executives, producers and the media. And then she goes, boom, no. Yeah, to me, I kind of seen it like 
the younger Christina was almost like she was doing what she was asked to do. She was doing what she was told and singing the songs she was told to sing. And that was not, it wasn't really so much as like losing a different person and a new person. It was kind of like she just shed that mask and she was just being herself. Even her voice, like people were kind of like. Her voice is astonishing. There's no, like there's, come here, there's incredible vocalists all around the world that are still in their room that nobody will ever hear. So I'm totally aware of that. But it's just, she has this power in her voice that it doesn't matter what genre you're into. She there's just nobody that can sing like her. There just isn't, you know. She's just a star on in her own right. Yeah. But I just felt like that album was basically her saying, "This is me. Deal with it." And it was just like she was putting it in their face. Even the cover. Yeah, I yeah. mean, stripped is like this is me, and I'm yeah. taking the mask off. Mm. This is who I am. And she did it so well by showing, by like even the song that she did with Alicia Keys, "Impossible." Like that kind of took us back to her roots of like the jazz that she grew up listening to, Motown and. She basically said, I can do all of this. Don't put me in a pink, pretty, you know, yep. cute girl box. Yep. I can do all of this. And I think that just changed her as an artist from then on. There's a great quote from her in and around the time the album was released. Uh, when you're part of a pop phenomenon, you have so many opinions shoved down your throat. People try to tell you what you should do, how you should act, what you should wear, who you should be with. At that time, things started happening for me. It was popular to be squeaky clean, cookie cut pop singer. But that role didn't speak to me because it's so boring and superficial. That is pretty much mm. what she did with this album. It's like, yeah. those days are done. Yeah. Let's go, let's, you know, let's express myself in a very kind of real and honest way. Mm. 20 tracks on the album, it's a long, there's a lot of it's songs. It's not long enough. Oh, right. Don't even surprised. go I, there. It's, it's 20, not long enough. <laughs> it's, yeah, but I suppose that just speaks to her courage at the time. Like, yeah. it happens, you know yourself, you've been mm. 13, 14. Mm-hmm. There's 20, there's no filler on it. I'm not saying yeah. there's any Well, she's a few interludes. Like, I used to even love, like, I just have just memories of me having my disc man at the time (laughs) and playing like literally I know this sounds dramatic but I would play it for a second stop it and I would learn the play it again and I'd literally learn how she does her riffs just by me play pause trying to do it you were getting that forensic over and over and over again the technique oh into the like I just wanted to learn how she took her breaths and how long she would hold a note like I just literally studied it from start to finish so much so that if someone played the album in the wrong order, like I would know, like instantly I'd be like, mm, now this interlude comes next. And when do you put it on now? Like what mood or what situation does it have? Oh, I'm going to just put on straight. This is uh, it would probably be like me driving to a gig or me yeah. driving to something that I want to get myself kind of in the mood for or, ri- or writing sessions. Mm. Like, sometimes I, like, I think actually over the last few years I probably haven't listened to it as often as I would because sometimes it's nice to step away from it. But yeah, if I need to get myself hyped up or feel like strong, I'll just play that album because yeah. it's just any favourite tracks I know it's impossible to ask picking your favourite kids again but I would probably probably oh god this is so hard you know what today Voice Within yeah yeah that could change tomorrow Walk Away could be tomorrow Get Mine Get Yours oh you like that one uh, yeah. yes I do yeah. it seems because yeah. I haven't heard it before for, for many years and that's the one I keep going back to on this album I, al- I also always love Can't Hold Us Down because yeah. I, I just love the messaging behind it and that was such like a female empowerment song and like back then it wasn't really done too much in the pop scene you know so yeah that one always so you're it seems to me that you know seeing as you started singing pop songs Mm. at the age of three Mm -hmm. this is the only thing you were ever gonna do oh god yeah was that it from even that young age you were just no there's no other option for me but to be a singer of pop songs I just, I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was like delusion. I don't know if it was like addiction, but like 
nothing excited me like I tried everything else I did sports I was a dancer for years I trained in ballet like and I I really enjoyed them but nothing made time stand still for me the way singing does and music does you know so that was kind of like I was just so lucky that my parents were so absolutely whatever you want to do you do it you know like my mom and dad were both like self-employed people so they were definitely kind of and was there musicians in the family or? No, they were music lovers and music yeah. appreciators. Absolutely. Like music was never not on. Like there's albums that I have associated to like Sunday cleaning, to Holiday to Spain. <laughs> da, da, da. Like it's music with every single memory as a child. Like Picnics is S Club 7. Do you know what I mean? Like it's just there's, yeah. there's literally memories to every album and every song. But they weren't, I'm not going to show encoded. They, my mom and dad were absolutely brutal at singing. They weren't, but they were music appreciators. That's probably the inspiration as well. Yeah, it's like, exactly. Someone's got to fix this. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Let it be me. Yeah. Please stop. I'll do it. Please stop. Please stop, Dad. Yeah. Well, I used to literally yeah. make them every evening. Uh, we had like a small little kind of marble fireplace. And uh, before I'd go to bed, everyone had to sit down and watch my Celine Dion concert. And I wouldn't go to bed until I did it. And it would be one song on repeat. My heart will go on. <laughs> And my mom would try and teach me verse two. I wasn't interested in verse two until I perfected verse one. Yeah. And they, my brother and sisters and my dad would literally be like, oh my God, is it over yet? Is it over yet? And I wouldn't no, go to bed not. until I was finished. And I'd, I would do the, thank you. And then I'd go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. But it's like anyone that's in sports. So, for example, you're, you know, you hear boys and girls that want to be a football. Mm. It's this exact same kind of obsessive nature that you need. It has to consume your life. Yeah. From a very young age. Like, it's no different just because you're singing pop songs. Yeah. But you, obviously, age of three, all day, every day. Every day. Well, yeah, you can hear it in your voice now. <laughs> they say it takes 10,000 hours. I think yeah. you've got about 100,000. I think 000. we may have passed that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that brings us on rather beautifully, Amy, to your second choice in your recorded history. This is an artist that has actually appeared before on uh, on the pod series. This is the first repeat I think we've had. So, but a different album. Uh, interestingly enough so what is it? It's Britney Spears mm. that's the name of the album that's the name of the yeah, artist it's a handy one to remember yeah yeah. do you know what it is I, I found her Britney was the hardest to choose from because my f- absolute like favourite songs were kind of all combined from different albums so it was yeah. very hard to me as a child like yeah. just the memories like even when she brought out that movie Crossroads I know this sounds so silly but I just I watched her and I just I was like a studier when I was a kid. It's the best way I can describe it. Like I was, I was learning Christina's riffs. I was learning how she would breathe and how would she hold them high notes. And Brittany, I was watching and learning how she captivated people and how she performed and how she carried herself. And like as a young child watching like even like I'm a Slave for You, I was just, I was just mem- like. And had you honestly, listened, this is her third album. This is. No, I think it's our fourth. I think it's our well, third. It's our yeah, third. so she had, uh, yeah, first studio albums were Baby One More Time mm-hmm. and then Oops, I Did It Again. Yes. So this again, the, oh, yeah, par- the, right. par- the parallels with Christina Aguilera are quite apparent here in so much as here's Britney again mm. trying to break free from that quite constrictive, I suppose, put upon image of her as that cutesy tween schoolgirl, obviously with the video mm. for Hit Me Baby One More Time and all of that. So her image was very controlled and we, we saw that effects of that later on in her life mm. rather sadly but this again was her trying to exert some control and power yeah and uh, I suppose and you inf- can feel inf- that in influence, them songs yes exactly in- influence on her own destiny yeah. musically so she would have been listening to a lot of hip hop and EDM at the time and she approached the Neptunes who were the hottest mm-hmm. hip hop uh, yeah. producer at the time and they are the two favourite tracks 
for me. Boys. Boys and yeah. Slave You. Yeah, same. Are, are the two standouts yeah. for me. Yeah. Uh, because they just showed more mature side of her. Mm. It's not a bit more ballsy from her, you know what I mean? Mm. It's just such a break from... What there's just a funk. What we're used to. Yeah. That's exactly. There's a funk. And like when it comes to funk, there's like a bass and there's almost like depth to it then. And I felt like that album was, even with the song like Overprotected or I'm Not Yet a Woman, it mm. was basically her saying, I'm growing up and you have to accept it, you know? Mm. So it's very similar kind of messaging it to is. Christina, which obviously at the time, that's why I was just so crazy about the two of them. But yeah, I really felt like this album was like her almost like wake up call. You it's know? breaking free from the shackles yeah. that, you know, obviously mm. had gotten to the, gotten her the success that she had experienced. Yeah. But she was a grown woman at this yeah. stage. Yeah. She was in relationship with Justin Timberlake. He's mm. on the record. And she was living her life very much in the public eye. And I suppose you can hardly blame her. But I don't think we can even... To... Yeah, like I still... Like I know even now that nowadays there is like tabloids and there's social media. But I don't think we can even comprehend how bad it was back then. Yeah, interesting you, you mentioned that because I... We spoke to Pamela Joyce on the podcast and she chose Blackout. Oh, yeah. Now, she was very similar to you, actually, so because she changed her mind actually the morning of the podcast. Mm. So I had all my research done. She goes, I'm mm. so sorry. I was like, well, that's fine. That's fine. Curveball. Can you make it 10 past three? Because yeah. I just have to read them up. <laughs> yeah. uh, so thanks for not changing any of your choices. <laughs> but she said something very interesting and revealing to me. Uh, she would have been a similar age to you, I think, maybe mm. when she was uh, listening to Blackout, and she became, she, she was 14, 15, very mm-hmm. important, significant time for anyone. But specifically for a young girl who's watching pop stars and the treatment mm-hmm. by the media of her. So there's that very famous performance at the MTV Awards. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that got a lot of backlash for Britney at the time. And Pamela spoke to me about how she was reading this and how the journalists, so called, were calling her fat. Couldn't believe how fat Britain was, the size of her, and all this kind of, and mm-hmm. it had a really genuine, deep lasting impact on her. Mm-hmm. As a fourteen to fifteen year old, year old girl in Galway, mm-hmm. going to they think she's mm-hmm. what the hell am I? Yeah. So I'm just wondering, were you was that something similar for you? Oh my you god, that, I can relate to that really so much. Yeah. yeah, and like even like I would kind of ask myself the question, like, okay, so if I'm going to be an artist, and I'm going to do this, like, what kind of artist do I want to be? Like, what is it? what is it that Britney gave me or Christina gave me that I want to be able to give to people? Because you kind of have to ask yourself them questions. Otherwise, you know, everyone's, you know, people can make music, but I wanted to make people feel something. And for me, I just always wanted to be like approachable, normal, because when I was a kid and watching Britney on a magazine or on TV, it was so out of reach. I will never look like her. I will never do, do you know that kind of way? So I kind of had that thick skin because I've had that. I've had people ask me if I'm pregnant after doing TV shows. Wow, and okay. Like still, like that's kind of the negative side to like social media and stuff like that. But I don't know. I think I've always, maybe because I grew up almost watching my idols go through it that I was kind of like, oh, I'm never going to let So that, you were preparing me. yourself mentally. Almost, yeah. As well as, I yeah. suppose, uh, musically. For, yeah. For the world that you were absolutely definitely going to get going to get. Well, into. I mean, it's kind of, it's a given. If you're going to be a woman, in the music industry, this is unfortunately just what comes with it. Like, we're still talking about things that happened in the past, but they still happen today. And it wasn't even as bad then. Yeah. I don't think so. Mm. I don't think so. I think it's always been very tough for women. Yeah. Uh, in the business, even the radio, mm. in the media in general, in anyone, any female in public, eye, let's mm. be honest. But I think that was at the beginning, of the, the genesis of what we're experiencing now. There was no TikTok then. 
Twitter wasn't around. Mm. You're relying on the tabloids, a couple of websites. Yeah. Well, I guess the difference back then, though, for women in music where they were just so overly sexualized, they mm. weren't taken serious as musicians or artists. It was just, yeah. you know, they're women, put them in skimpy clothes and mm. God forbid they are a woman and they grow up and they gain a few pounds. Like, oh, God, no, we don't like that. You know, so I guess, yeah, we can probably say it wasn't as hard for them in that sense, but they had way different pressures, you know. So it's yeah. kind Do you of think like, it's improving now or? Um, I think have, it's have definitely improving. And yeah, yeah I, I think I'd be wrong to say no. It's definitely improving. I think it could pro probably move quicker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Getting, you know, we're getting there. <laughs> not quite, not quite there yet. Yeah. Um, Max Martin's obviously on this album, mm -hmm. without doubt, without any argument. I would think the most influential pop figure in history. Mm -hmm. I, I would go so far as to say that. Yeah. Uh, the amount of songs that he's been involved with, the amount of artists that he's helped create and sustain. Mm -hmm. And I was actually watching an interview with you and you have worked with, well, you've, you've met him yeah. and you've been mentored. Well. Well, you've had a discussion about yeah. your music with, with Max Martin. I really My wish God. that it went better because I cringe every time I think about it. I have to be honest with you. When they say things like, like if someone said, oh my God, what would you do if Christina Aguilera was out there? I'd probably be like, can you just give me a week? I don't want to meet her now because I want to think about my questions. Yeah. You know, I really want to get myself prepared. And with Max, like my friend Nick that I've been working in Sweden with for like a couple of years, he knows like anything. I'm always like, yeah, but what would Max do? You yeah, know, yeah. What would Max do? He yeah. knows. Well, you, how, have to, you have to think that way. You have to. He's like he's the, got such control, the genius. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he's like a master oh, at what he does. He's incredible. So when I landed in Sweden, um, my friend, writer, producer, Nick was like, oh, I want to show you something, like come with me type of thing. So I was thinking, oh, he's going to bring me to like a you Swedish monument. I had no idea. Oh, and I walk up to this, what looks like the mayor's house in the center of Stockholm, like these walls and gates and the gates just open and Max Martin standing there. He's like, come in. And my legs are like, oh, Amy, Nick, can I, I can't just... believe it. I had no prep, no prep. So the questions that I would have wanted to ask that man, but do you know what? We were in there for like, I was in a studio for like two or three hours and we just spoke about the most like normal stuff. He listened to my demos. He gave me life-changing advice. Like yeah, you said it changed change your life. Well, basically he gave me like some really good tips for how I sing. Okay. And so I'll just tell you, basically he said to me, you know, we know you can sing. And I was like, okay. He was like, you don't need to, you don't need to prove yourself. He was like, just show us your emotion. It doesn't have to be perfect. He's like, we have auto-tune. And I was kind of like, what? But even just something as simple as him being like, like, don't worry. Like, it doesn't have to be perfect. Listening to my old demos to now. But I sound like such a badass bitch now because I Compared to what? Compared to then. Before, before me and Max Martin. Because I was always trying to like, not, I don't know if it was me trying to prove myself, but I was always trying to be so perfect that it was lacking that emotion. He was like, that's the producer's job to make that sound perfect. He's like, if you go in there and you're like crying into a microphone, people want to hear that as opposed to you going in and just, you know, singing a perfect. Well, you referenced that with together. Christina Aguilera talking, singing beautiful. There. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it was just life changing. But I just, when I left, I was like, I never got to ask him what it was like, you know, working with Taylor Swift and da da da. And it was, it was life changing. And I know that we'll work together soon. So mm. I, I don't need to, you know, kick myself too much. But every time someone brings it up, I'm just like, I wasn't prepared. Here's what, I'll try and make you feel a bit better. I think if you'd been told beforehand, you yeah. would have gotten yourself into such a tiz yeah. and you would have prepared. Well, this is what Nick said. He said, I wanted Max so many... to meet Max to yes. meet you. And Isn't I it wanted better? To I think to it's better you. that he met you off yeah. guard yeah. and that you had a genuine yeah. sense. I don't think you would have gotten as much out of mm. it because you would have asked him 
stuff, maybe that. I don't think I would have let him leave. Yeah, but he, it's, <laughs> these are probably questions he has been asked before, you know, but he got the real you. We were talking about Irish pubs. There we we were talking about the weather. We were talking about social media. Like, Much better. Ah, uh, yeah. And it did, it did change your life. It changed my life. Yeah. And you know what? It, it also put things into such perspective for me. Like this man is the biggest pop producer in the world. Nobody can argue with that. And the most humble, mm. the most humble, lovely man. Like he would give me advice and go, yeah, but I'm not too sure. Like you might know, but looking at him going, Max Martin. No, if you told me to get rid of my dad, I'd get rid of my dad. So <laughs> let's not even go there, Max. He doesn't have just one. make a quick call. Dad, you're yeah. done. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yeah. Like, well, I'll tell you because I had my song on Spotify and it was coming out a week later. Yeah. Right? Which one was this? Nobody else. Okay. And I had played it for Max and he was like, do you want me to be honest? And I was like, oh, no. Gosh, yeah, he's going to tell me he hates the song. He's going to tell me he hates the song. He loved it, but he was like, I think you should rearrange this. He was like, take out this pre. You don't need it. Take out this second half course. You don't need it. Do this. Da, da, da. And he did it there on his computer within seconds. And when I left, I called the label. I was like. Hold the song. It's like if Max Martin gave me changes to make, we're fucking yeah, making the yeah, changes. Yeah, you're right, like, yeah. are you joking? And it, I know this sounds so dramatic. It changed the song. Like it changed the song. I'm obsessed with Max. I me just too. cannot fathom. It's impossible to kind of, I suppose, get your head around the impact he's had. Mm. Now, some would say to the, there are some negative sides to his approach, but I just think his sensibility to pop music, coming from the Swedish background, I'm also obsessed with. I'm going to get into it. <laughs> The Swedish education system all leads this. Yeah, I know. Because I, 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 brought, I brought this up. With, yeah. I talked to Sigrid. <laughs> she's from a very similar. But music is installed and instilled in children mm-hmm. from the age of four, five, six. It's compulsory. Yeah, it's compulsory. So they leave school 17, 18. They can all pretty much play instruments, write music, play instruments. Got an ear, it's part yeah. of their daily fabric. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then when they go on to write songs, it's like, yeah, but it's kind of like GAA for yeah, us, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, like yeah. I, you know, there's kids in school that have absolutely zero interest in GAA, but because it's so a part of Irish culture, it's almost like, you know, it's a part of the curriculum. So that's the way it is for Sweden. Yeah. You know, they're known for ABBA. They're known for the, it's basically the pop capital it's of no the world. It's no coincidence. Yeah. yeah, it's no coincidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah, it makes, true. I mean, I'm jealous. I wish I went to school there, but. The time, Swords yes. was great. The time. <laughs> The Sweden of Ireland. Yeah. Swordson. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, swish, swish, word, swish. Anyway, you're not far from Ikea. You can go yeah. into Ikea. Yeah. And, not far. And write I mean, a song there. I mean, we've got a there. chipper. There's a chipper around the corner. Are we meatballs in Sweden? Yeah. Sweden swords. Uh, just one quick question. I want to talk about all the artists that you've mentioned and some of the artists you picked today. Was there ever a danger that you were so forensic in your analysis and your, you know, when you listen to this part and you listen to it again? That finding your own voice mm-hmm. amidst all these incredible influences like Jeannie Macaroni. Mm. You know, you're, sorry, I can't believe I just said Jeannie Macaroni. Yeah. I'm like, who's that? What, what am I, 12? <laughs> we, can, we can cut that out. No, leave it in. Leave it in. Uh, that'd be the thing to get the podcast up. Is that there was going to be a danger that all these voices like Celine, oh my God, come on, you know, and maybe Ariana Grande, all mm-hmm. these powerhouses were going to be in your head when you're trying to find your own voice. Mm. Was it difficult then, in the midst of all those influences, to discover your own voice? I think, well, it's funny because I actually remember when I used to do vocal training when I was really young and my vocal trainer was like, okay, I think you need to take a few weeks off listening to Britney. Really? Because I think I, at one stage I was starting all my sentences with like, uh. <laughs> so that was when I kind of knew. Yeah. Oh, bye, 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 yeah. Bye. What time is it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, here's the bus. Oh, bye. <laughs> hey, she's so much better than that. Hey. Don't do Britney That's like my that. Britney. <laughs> Yeah, no, but I think I I was good at, you know, taking pieces and like 
you know, kind of finding the pieces that I really wanted. Like even Tony Braxton, like I was obsessed with her low range mm-hmm. and that was something that I just spent months and months and months and months on. And if there was a song that I couldn't sing, I wouldn't sing anything else until I could sing it start to finish. And that was just always the way it was. Even now, like I remember actually only a couple of years ago, um, Demi Lovato brought out a song called Stone Cold. And the end of that song, the riffs, I was like, oh my God, that's impossible. I'm not going to sing that. I didn't sing anything else until I could sing it. And I would record myself, listen back to it, perfect it, just so that I'm expanding. Like I'm always learning, I'm always expanding. But I think once I started changing, because I used to write poetry all the time. That's how like, I used to write stories. I used to think I was going to be like an author or a poet. So I think once I started writing my own songs, I just naturally found my own yeah. sound and I had my own thing to say. You know? And are you good at impressions now? Of singers, no. Could you do like a good Britney or a Christina? Mm, probably not. After all those think. hours, <laughs> probably like nothing went in. Now, do you know what? I'm just so scared that there's going to be Britney and Christina fans listening. And they're going to okay. be like, let's "She start. did them so dirty." <laughs> let's, let's start. <laughs> Come nice to my point. live shows. I do a few. I do some covers there. <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll, we'll avoid that. My yeah. point. But that brings us on beautifully to the queen of them all, really, to my mind. Mm-hmm. Your third choice in your recorded history, Amy, this came out in 2011. What is it? It's Beyonce's album Four. Yeah. Why is it here? Personally, I think it's one of her best albums. And it's, it's, you know, it's controversial because I know I am Sasha Fierce. I know they're up there. But for me, there's like something switched in Beyonce. So I don't know if you've heard her album Lemonade. Yeah. To me, that album's just anger, right? That's just her going like, ah, and just letting it out. There was hints of that in this album that really kind of took me by surprise. Yeah, you're going to have to convince me on this one. Well, for example, I, 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 I'm not a huge, I, I think this is one of her weaker. Oh, really? Uh, honestly, no. Yeah, because I haven't listened to this for so long. I said, this has got a great opportunity for me to speak to somebody who's mm-hmm. very passionate about this mm-hmm. to remind me or even convince me or change my mind. I'm going to give it that chance. Well, there's a clip that I want you to watch after, right? And it's basically a behind-the-scenes shot of uh, Beyonce in the studio singing I Care. Yeah. And if you've ever seen someone sing from their core, it's her on that song. And even here in the song, uh, I Was Here, to me, I don't know, it was just, it just like transported. Like, I remember I listened to it uh, during the summer when I was on holidays with my family. And I remember listening to it every single day on holiday and being like, if I was to ever put out an album, this is what I want it to be. Yeah. Because there was love on top. Like, uh, are you kidding me? Come on. No, look, there's, there's, some, there's, some great, there's some great songs on it. I just think, I suppose, compared it's hard to, to, to Renee Sons, for example, or mm. Lemonade, mm. I feel she had grown into the to a more complete artist then. This mm. feels to me like a transitionary record. She yeah, had, fair. She, I think, it's obviously her fourth record. So... What had gone before, she was again, we're t- dealing with an artist here trying to establish herself mm. and break away from her past. She'd cut ties with her father around this time. Mm. Matthew Knowles, who had managed her career. He was a manager, Des- yeah. yeah. Destiny's Child, mm. apart from the fact he was her, her father. Mm-hmm. Huge figure in her life. Mm. So again, she cut ties with him. She took a year off and then she came back. And you can't blame her for taking the year off. Yeah. Fairness. yeah. So she came back and she had a load of songs that she, and I just feel there's a slightly disjointed element to this album that it doesn't quite, it's not as mm, complete an album as some of her later stuff. Individually, some great songs on. Yeah. Like Love on Top is one of her best, mm. no doubt. I don't know whether it's almost like a personal thing then because it brings just like core memories. Like when I listen back, you know, like sometimes like albums, it just more has like a personal thing because yeah. it just kind of transports you back in time. Or where does it transport you back to? What age you then, 2011, you were starting your career? 16. 16, yeah. Yeah, see, that was me kind of at my 
right at the beginning of doing like my YouTube videos and like getting my voice out there. Um, oh, but I'm still just like even listening to it again because I can't coming into the podcast here. I wanted to kind of refresh my memory and listening to like Rather Die Young. There's just passion in them songs. And like I think because like Crazy in Love was all like her, you know, like fun, sexy era. This album to me was like the first time that because people don't really get to know Beyonce. Yeah, you know, true, we don't really, she doesn't do very many interviews. She doesn't really, you know, we kind of just see the perfect Beyonce always. And in this album, I feel like it was like the first, the door was just wedged open. We got to kind of see depth in her mm, a little bit, it's you interesting, know? Yeah. Um, and as a 16 year old, you know, probably experiencing first heartbreak as well, that probably has something got to do with it. Yeah. <laughs> probably. And <laughs> is it true then that when you started making YouTube videos in and around this, this time, mm -hmm that you had a bit of stage fright up until that point that oh yeah doing making these youtube videos in your i mean your bedroom or mm -hmm. wherever it was that kind of bridged the gap between that fear mm. and then to being able to perform in front of people yeah me saying to you like as a 3 year old i was like i'm going to be a pop star <laughs> i believed that at 3 but then when i you know went to school and i was surrounded by you know people and judgment and people going oh my god that's so weird that she's doing this different I just I wouldn't sing in front of anybody wouldn't yeah. sing in front of family I'd be asked at family weddings you know occasions literally from the age of I would probably say god I would say like probably 6 to 16 that's like 10 years really? the only time my family could hear me sing is if I was locked in my bedroom or in the shower nobody could hear me anytime and I had a really good conversation with my mom at the time and she was like you're saying you want to be a singer. I was like, yeah. And she was like, well, you're going to sing in front of people. How else are you going to be a singer? So to, it was actually during the time that Justin Bieber was kind of coming through and he had come through on YouTube. And I was like, do you know what? Maybe if I just do this as like a little practice and just see how I get on and I'll be brave and I'll post, you know, I'll press the post button. And Was it nerve wracking? It must have been scary. It was, but genuinely hand on heart. I was like, nobody's going to see this. Like I didn't, I remember I didn't even write a caption. I didn't write, you know, they used to do like hashtags and stuff like that on Twitter. Nothing. I actually just posted it. And then I had to edit it after and put a title on it because the oh. video blew up. Wow. Like it blew up. And then that would give me confidence then because I would, you know, do like a couple of videos a week and people would comment and I'm like, oh, maybe I can sing. Because I didn't know if I could sing genuinely. I was like, you know, you see So what people, equipment? You just had a microphone. Do you want me to honestly tell you what I Yeah, had? go on. A hairbrush. So embarrassing. No, even worse. So I recorded on my mom's MacBook. So I would literally do it on, I, you know, like the yeah. photo album thing. And then my brother actually gifted me a microphone for Christmas then a few years later. But he didn't get me a microphone stand. So anytime I wanted to record, I would have to go into the bathroom and take the toilet roll holder <laughs> and bring that into my room and basically shove the microphone in wow. the toilet roll holder. Beautiful. And you would just hear like taps on the door going, Amy, put that toilet roll holder back when you're finishing. <laughs> So, you know, oh, from such the glam. glamorous beginnings, yeah, the glam. So, you should keep yeah. that toilet roll holder. It might be worth a few bob. No, that's definitely gone. <laughs> it's definitely gone. You should have plated it in gold and put it up on the wall. Yeah. Like your, first, your first gold. First mic stand. Yeah. But, so that um, gave you the confidence then mm. to kind of take that first step. Yeah. And do you remember your first appearance on stage? I remember my first time I sang in public was in a Chinese restaurant. I remember that. It was like an open karaoke night. And it was after I had done a few weeks of YouTube videos and my family were kind of like, you don't know anyone here. This yeah. is the perfect time. Just get up and just sing it. So, of course, I jelly legged, walked up to the karaoke guy and I said, do you have more I carry hero? And he looked at me and he was like, no, we have like S Club 7 here and we have Spice Girls. And he was kind of like, why is this child like, why is this kid asking to sing Mariah Carey hero? Well, 
they had me up there basically for the rest of the night. No he way. wouldn't let me sit down. He was just like, it's this kid. Like, I think he was just so shocked because, you know, the Chinese restaurant, you're not expecting Do you remember a how that felt then after the first song and you got oh, the reaction? Oh, I felt like yeah. I was floating, you know, f- literally floating. So after that, I had started doing like a few like pub gigs and I really warmed myself up. I did pubs for a while and then I did like restaurant bars and then I would do like weddings and I just, it just gradually, mm. you know, the crowds kind of got and your stagecraft as such then the way you even hold the microphone mm. be, it, be it a toilet roll holder or <laughs> uh, or a professional one and then move around the stage was that something that you were learning as you went along that took years yeah that's hard so I never I got my bum off a stool for years okay. I wouldn't stand I was just too the nerves was physically in my legs and I thought that I was just going to fall over so I would only sing ballads and I would just be stuck to a stool and then I remember I actually did a gig in the academy and there was no stool they had none so I had to stand and I remember just this being like, that sounds so silly, but no. if people think about it, I only recorded sitting on my yeah. bed. So I wasn't used to standing and having to, maybe I was still hiding on stage, but I don't know. But that was the best thing that ever happened. They didn't have a stool, they didn't have a high stool. And I was like, well, would I look weird if I just sat in a normal chair? And they were like, yeah, we're not putting a normal chair on the stage, stand. And it was probably, it was the best, not probably, definitely was the yeah, best thing. Yeah, pushed you to... Yeah, now I dance around like a crazy person yeah. on stage, you know? And that's not an easy thing to do. No, it's not. Because if you look at Beyonce, going back to Beyonce, I don't know how she does it. Well, geez, I wouldn't compare myself to Beyonce. No, but She's you know, like, just even, even watching Britney or any of them, even yeah. walking around and... Just cardio. And just kind of yeah. trying to remember the choreography, mm-hmm. then the, the lyrics, yeah. and keeping the movement and beat with the song. It's an astonishing mm. I've still never, like considering I've been a dancer my whole life, yeah. I've still never done like choreographed dance on stage. And I don't, if I'm totally honest, I feel maybe I'm just a little bit embarrassed or something. I don't know what it is. Mm. Like I've always had this, I've had this thing for most of my life where I was like almost embarrassed to say I was like obsessed with pop music and I was a pop artist, especially in Ireland because it yeah. just wasn't considered cool. I was just cool. going cool. to say that. Yeah, yeah, it just wasn't considered cool. You know, you've got like your indies, you've got like the guys with the guitars, you've got like your R&B, the mm. hip hop scene. Pop sometimes is just kind of seen as like, ah, she's giving them songs. Like I write, there's not a single song out there that I haven't written, not one, you know? And I'm, I've such a big part of the production and everything. So I, it's almost like, I don't know, I don't want, sometimes if you go out with, car, you know, choreographed dance, it can almost like cheapen the Okay, you think it would be undermining your... Almost, because sometimes it can kind of be seen as a bit showy. Okay. So like there's been opportunities where, you know, like my team have been like, would you get dancers? And I'm just like, not this song. I want them to just listen to the song. This song is important. Mm. Maybe if I just release a song I really don't care about, maybe I'll get some dancers out. Do you know what That's I mean? It's such an interesting take. I've never thought of it that way. Yeah. That the song is too precious to you that you don't want to distract from it. Well, I just don't dancing. want to think about anything else other no. than the story I'm trying to tell. That's and I feel like if I'm like trying to count like five, six, seven out in my head, oh. I'm not thinking of the heartbreak that it took for me to write the song, you know? And I really want people in the audience to feel you know, what I felt when I made the song. And sometimes, yeah, I think that if I'm honest, like normally when people ask, why don't you do a dancer? I'm like, oh, I just haven't had the opportunity. That's probably right. the honest reason. Okay, yeah, good. That's a very interesting answer. I ne- mm. never thought of it that way before. Um, you had a big year last year. You were the most played female artist on Irish radio. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> Rightly so. Um, that's an area of things that, Still needs a lot of work, isn't it? Getting Irish female pop artists or Irish female musicians on the radio. And you've been very good and strong and very supportive to people that are coming up behind you. Yeah. Um, Is that something that you decided early on in your career that once you reached any level of success that you were not going to pull the ladder up behind you and that you were always going to be there as a support 
for anyone coming through? Was that something that you consciously decided early on? I think that's just how I was raised. Mm. It wasn't really something that I was kind of like, if I get here, I'm going to do this. I've just, you know, I've always been that person. I've always been like, even for my friends, like always looking out for opportunities for other people because I genuinely believe that's how we all win, you know, and especially women. Like if even the Irish Women Harmony project that we did, if one woman is standing alone and doing great, is do you think that's powerful or do you think it's great when there's 37 women standing and doing great you yeah. know so it's not necessarily something that I said yeah maybe I should help other women it's just genuinely how it was it's raised it's in your nature yeah it's just yeah. how I was raised yeah and festival season you've just released the brand new single mm-hmm. just in time I know for the sun the sun <laughs> has come out yeah what can you tell us about it yeah so it's just it was actually probably the most fun process in writing a song because I had walked into the studio not necessarily being like okay this is exactly what I talk about today I walked in being like the sun was shining. It was like a spring day in London. And I was just like, I'm craving summer today. Like, you know, when you're just like, how many weeks? Oh, it comes till through. Summer? I'm telling it you right does, now. It does. Yeah. yeah. So I was just like, I want this song to just scream summer. And yeah. I was actually heading off to LA for, for like a month at the time. And yeah, it was kind of just like conversations that were going around in my life at the time with like my, my relationship, my boyfriend and like my friends. And it's kind of like, you know, the way like with modern dating nowadays, for example, Everything is effort and anything that's too much effort, people tend to be like, nah, I'm not interested. I can't stand that. Right. You know, like true relationships are people that will drop what they're doing and they'll go to you if you need help. And that's basically what the song is about. It's like, stop making excuses. If your train breaks, jump on a plane. See you if there. your feet hurt, get in the car. Yeah. And that's kind of what inspired the right. song. Yeah, there it's- was a nursery rhyme that we used to, I'm sure everybody has heard it. You know, Hush Little Baby? Yes. It's like, daddy's going to buy you a yeah. mockingbird. That's kind of inspired the lyrics a bit in the chorus because it's talking about, well, look, if the train breaks, get a plane. And if the bl- plane breaks, get a did it, you know? Very good. So, yeah. And is it hard to sustain relationships with the business you're in? Really? No. I or think too it's... Many people are... Well, I think it's down to... I'm just so lucky I've got such great people around me. Mm. If I had people around me that, you know, they didn't respect what I was doing or they, you know... I, it just comes down to people that are supportive and I never have to make excuses I never have to say like oh I have to go here for this time is that okay They're, my family my friends my relationship are like go yeah. go so I'm very I've got a very tight circle and I like it that way it seems like it you're very yeah. grounded yeah and you have to be because it's I mean, it's I'm a mad I, world I mean you'd get I got off the stage from Electric Picnic and the how, next, was, how was that well I had to go home to the dishwasher so if you're talking about something that's going to keep you grounded it's having Irish parents Beyonce's not doing this yeah <laughs> and my dad used to say it as like until you could pay someone to empty your dishwasher you do your own he's dishwasher right. he's absolutely right so, yeah, I say I that no as a father myself it's something like I'd say <laughs> Amy listen that was an absolute joy three great choices you've convinced me on Beyonce 4 good, so good listen job. to it again I, I feel like I didn't I, try with, hard enough no but. with new ears I just needed a new perspective <laughs> okay. on it and I wanted to provoke some anger in you so I can't <laughs> uh, I'm going to have to ask you one awful question though before you go oh god you can only pick one. Oh, stripped Oh, okay. Yeah. Straight in. Yeah, 100%. Okay. Good yeah. choice. Amy, best of luck with the new single. It's See Thank You There. You. And we'll see you there. <laughs> it's an absolute bop. I'm telling you Thank right you. now, and it's provoked me to go to a beer garden. Good. So I might join you. Job done. Let's go. <laughs> I'll leave it regaly with my Britney Spears impression. Oh, please, go on. Who said no? Thank you, Alison. You're fired. Amy, thank you so much for sharing your recorded history. Thank you. So there we go. The recorded history of the amazing Amy. I just loved chatting to her. I could have chatted to her for days, in fact. She's a very strong, smart, feisty and funny woman who just knows and loves 
the music business. The new single, See You There, really is an absolute bop, so get to it ASAP. And I hope you enjoyed our bop through Amy's recorded history, that you'll join me next week and indeed every Sunday after that. If you want to check out any of Amy's choices, or indeed anything at all that might tickle your eardrums, I would absolutely love it if you did so by way of our splendid sponsors at therecordhub.com. Without them, this podcast would just be a fugazi, a kind of if you know what I mean. I've been Ed Smith. This has been Recorded History. Now, all you have to do is hit the old subscribe button and become a weekly listener. And above all that, subscribe to yourself. You're all absolute dancers. Good luck. Go Loud presents Recorded History. Hosted, produced and researched by me, Ed Smith, at Go Loud Studios. The show was created and executive produced for Go Loud by D-Ready. Our series is proudly supported by TheRecordHub.com, your local Irish and online record store.